HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by 360 Cookware. Their stainless steel cookware uses vapor technology to cook better tasting, more nutritional food. To learn more and receive 20% off, click their logo on our website, heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey there, you're listening to Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arroway. We're here at Roberta's Pizza, and Happy New Year. I think we can officially stop saying that, though, um, now that we're a week in. But, uh, you know, I love this time of year because it's the time of year that people start talking about making a resolution Usually to cook more or maybe to cook more healthy or maybe to try, if you're already a home cook, try out more interesting global cuisines. And I am so honored to start off uh, the year of this show with a huge expert on the just the uh, everything food. He's a food maverick, you could say. And uh, how are you, James? Yeah, there. Great. I hope I'm an expert. Uh, you're a maverick. <laughs> I, that's what I'm calling you, at least. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, James Osland is the editor in chief of Savora Magazine. He is, the magazine has won the James Beard Award five times and uh, won over 25 awards. He's also a host, or, sorry, a judge on um, Top Chef Masters. Oh, you know what? We've actually won way more than five James Beard Awards. Oh, why did I? <laughs> I don't that? know. I don't know how. I don't know how many. I thought may have been like last year. <laughs> we've That's got. True. We've gotten quite a few more than that over the years. I am proud to say. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, so exciting. And, uh, I know that you guys have had a couple books so far and the latest one just came out in November and it is stunning. It is called the way we cook. Um, and it's a travel, uh, travelogue, uh, from around the world of, and portraits of different home cooks. And, uh, that just came out and, uh, you're the editor writer of it. And, uh, how was it working on this book? Because I, I understand, I understand that it took about, you know, 10 years of journalism, and uh, it's it's a compilation of the just the most fascinating stories and places and foods, of course, from around the world. Uh, how did, oh, thank how, you. 
Yeah. How did you... Well, you know, it's, it's funny because the genesis of the book, I wish I had a more glamorous <laughs> thing to say, but the fact is, it was an idea I had in the shower one day about a, about a, it was about a year and a half ago. Wow. And um, what I was realizing was, oh my gosh, there are amazing books out there that show us pictures of all sorts of facets of human life, but I'd never seen, I'd never encountered a book that in particular was about what happens inside of our kitchens, mm-hmm. like the sort of you know, the kind of quiet, primal, great, wonderful, collective, connective mm-hmm. thing that people do in their kitchens all over the world, whether, right. you know, um, the kitchen is like a, you know, a, a street stall in a village <laughs> in Java or a Paris three-star kitchen or, you know, a kind of organic farm home kitchen and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, a billion, a couple of billion times over. And um, really, that was, that was the origin of, of, of the creation of this book. It's, in fact, kind of more of a coffee table book than mm-hmm. a straight-ahead uh, cookbook. It's, it's a book that brings together um, images, as you were saying, from over the last 10 years of Sever that um, show cooks cooking, Right. Not every single image is of a cook cooking. Some some of them are just straight ahead portraits of of cooks. Um, just you know, really showing the kind of reverence that we at Sever feel for cooks around the world. Right, and it's a it it connects everyone, as you were saying. It really paints that um, that uh, theme very clearly. That no matter where you are in the world, we all are cooking in some way, shape, or form. You know, absolutely. And I think, you know, I guess maybe during the process of putting the book together, I did have a kind of, maybe there's like, I don't know, this might sound extreme, but maybe there was a little bit of a reactionary quality mm-hmm. that I had that Dave Weaver, the, the art director, um, and myself, we, it was really just, it was the two of us that, that created the book mm-hmm. over the course of many, many weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's a lot of a lot of food imagery that goes out in the Western world anyway, be it on blogs or in newspapers or in food magazines, does tend to um, glamorize mm-hmm. and in some ways kind of fetishize the, the process, the act of cooking. And like, you know, chefs food and, porn. you know, celebrity yeah. chefs and the whole glamorous world of, you know, food on TV and all of that stuff does get a lot of ink. Yeah. You know, at least as far as imagery goes. And really it was our idea to, to create to create a book that was a document of global cooking now without giving precedence to celebrity chefs or even to, you know, the Japanese village cook, but really instead just showing this great and fantastic kaleidoscope of cooking all around the world and how beautifully similar it really all is. Right. And yeah, I think you did these cooks justice. You, you've made them celebrity chefs now. <laughs> Uh-oh. A bit of, well, not, hopefully that wasn't derogatory. <laughs> but, um, you know, going back to what you're saying, um, Sever, the magazine, has 
been uh, has really set itself apart from the pack of, of magazines and glossy food magazines out there, the ones surviving that is, <laughs> um, for for having a very global and authentic take on food that is. Um, it, it's not all about just buzz and hype, and it, it is about finding those stories that are in those paths that are just untraveled, and uh, talking about the the recipes and the type of foods that that you don't know about. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, how has it actually evolved over the years? Because you've been there for uh, how how long? Two decades. I've or so? been um, editor in chief for going on seven years now, mm-hmm. and, but I've been involved with the magazine since. Going back to 1998, I was a contributor to the magazine for for uh, many years before I before I came on board on staff. Um, but you know, historically, Silver, which has been around since 1994, mm-hmm. uh, next year we will be celebrating our 20th anniversary. The mission of the magazine, you know, the unspoken and actually as it's written, you know, in our tagline is to you know really celebrate global cooking, and again, sort of what I was referencing just a minute or two ago, not, um, not giving precedence to any one thing or the, uh, over the other, mm-hmm. but really celebrating the, the, the whole extraordinary mosaic of world cooking, right. and not saying that, you know, oh, what this celebrity chef, you know, made at um, his London restaurant mm-hmm. is just so much better than what some... I don't know what some grandmother in suburban Chicago made. Yeah. I mean, good cooking for us is 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 just completely magical, no matter where where it takes place. And we really try to not cast judgment and say that you know, oh, this fancy thing is better than mm-hmm. this not fancy thing. It's all pretty frigging amazing. Do you find that your audience has maybe changed a bit over the years? Because I imagine in 1994. Not a lot of people knew, well, uh, for, for instance, you know, uh, Asian food was, was, you know, a little bit more exotic to people. And now it's like the, the hottest, you know, wave of uh, fusion foods are coming out and they all have like this Japanese twist and you name it. Um, do you find that people are a little bit more informed and you're writing in a style that has, has reflected that? That's an interesting question. Be- and yes and no. Um because on the one hand, I mean, you know, I've been, I mean, gosh, living and breathing food and really in a, in a way kind of the, the study of food and the way the world eats and cooks for, gosh, really since I was like a kid, a teenager, mm-hmm. it's just always something that's just sort of naturally compelled me. Mm-hmm. One of the things that amazes me the most is every single day I find out new stuff Certainly at this job that I do, you know, where, you know, the concentrated exploration of the world of food is is just basically what we do. Every single day I'm finding out something new that just completely blows my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the, the amount of the traditions of global cooking, they don't stop. There's not yeah, like some wall. It's <laughs> something that is just continually evolving and, and turning into something new and extraordinary every single second. I mean, in, in a way, I mean, this might sound kind of weird, but like in a way, every time that you as a home cook slightly modify or adjust a dish that you have made, like using a new ingredient or mm-hmm. um, taking it off of the fire a little bit sooner, you're, you're in a way 
not in a way you are contributing to this this you know the the extraordinary continuum that is human cooking on the face of the earth and so it just never stops being fascinating and you know it's it's hard to gauge who our writers might have been back in 1994 and who they are now but i can definitely speak for myself i mean i first knew sever in 1994 and even though I'd always been like the food guy and just mm-hmm. extremely interested in food, in the world of food, there wasn't, wasn't really necessarily a food magazine that really spoke to me very well or mm-hmm. just really spoke to me at all until Severa came along. And when I got exposed to Severa, it was like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is just the strangest, most interesting magazine. And it mm-hmm. really, really approach, approaches and appreciates food in a way that's um, just very natural to me or very similar to how I do it. And so I was, I was hooked from the get-go. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Um, and I actually had uh, one of your ex uh former colleagues on the show who helped co-found the restaurant uh, sorry the the magazine the restaurant um uh uh melissa hersheimer and no sorry melissa melissa hamilton, hamilton and christopher, and christopher hersheimer. hersheimer yeah who are great yeah. who are great friends of great friends friends of mine in fact it was christopher in many ways i consider her to be a kind of mentor okay. of mine um who really sort of brought me into the fold back in 1998 so um yeah amazing amazing ladies and it seems that, that it was very forward thinking, you know, to focus on on global food and global eating. And uh, I, I see it happening more and more. Um, it's it's becoming a trend amongst the best chefs. Whereas once um, it was all about sort of you know French and, and then Italian. And um, so I, I think that yeah, you guys are keeping it real and just keeping with that theme and. Um, as you were saying, you're constantly exploring things, so it's never ending. Um, is there something? It's just never ending, and yeah. we really just, you know, we stay the course. It's like, you know, we don't have to like, you know, mercifully, thankfully, trick up this magazine yeah. into being something other than it than it really is. You know, another thing about Sever and and the the way we cook, the the, the book that we've just come out um, is. We are a food magazine and a food brand and a food website, and we make food books. We're also kind of like we're we're anthropologists too, sort of really just kind of you know showing showing what we all do, you know, connecting what we all do through this very specific lens, the lens mm-hmm. of what happens in our kitchen kitchens and what what happens at our at our eating tables. Yeah, I was going to say the book reminds me almost like of a National Geographic um, large volume. And, and yeah, anthropology is a, definitely a great comparison. Um, so are there any recent food discoveries that blew your socks off? Maybe there an ingredient are just or constant dish? ones. I mean, the most recent one, I mean, it just... Uh, it completely blew me away. I mean, it blew me away. Just happened um, just two days ago. We are working um, on an article about the food of Georgia, um, former Soviet Great. Republic Georgia, except now it's its own country, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, our senior editor, um, Karen Shimizu, actually lived there um, for a couple of years, um, one time with her mom and then um, when she was growing up and another time on a Fulbright with her husband. 
Mm-hmm. She just completely fell in love with the place and, and with the food. And it's, I've traveled a lot around the world. I've not been to that part of the world, though. And, and I've had bits and pieces of Georgian food, actually in Russia and then here in New York mm-hmm. City. But I'd never really, like, sat down to a Georgian meal. Yeah. And so a bunch of us from the magazine, just this last Saturday, took the train um, the N train all the way out to um, Gravesend, which is sort of like the netherworld of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. an, uh, an hour plus trip from from my from my home in in, in Manhattan, and wow. um, it had this this just great lunch at this uh, Georgian restaurant, mm-hmm. where this food for me, the dishes that I was encountering were in a way very familiar and somehow seemed similar to things that I'd, I'd eaten and, and looked at before, but in other ways tasted so completely different and were just so different. And I was, as I said, I was just completely blown away. There was wow. this one dish in particular. Um, it was um, beans, like kidney beans, mm-hmm. with this um, paste that I, that I now understand to be, you know, very fundamental to, to Georgian cooking, made of walnuts and raw garlic, and there was a bit of cumin in it as well. And so these beans were sort of bound together by this pretty thick paste, which sounds mm. a bit odd, mm. but it was so no, delicious. that sounds Especially good. when you ate it with this lavash bread that was like uh. fresh out of the oven, and it was just, it was like my dream food, and I'd never known that it existed before. I so, love the so sound yes, of that. <laughs> wow, that sounds like such a great winter meal. Um, so I, do you get this when you try something amazing? And do you really want to like just run home and try to recreate it at, on your own kitchen? That one, I'm going to wait for us to develop the recipe <laughs> yeah. in the kitchen I before I, before I do do that. But I got the sense of that most of the food that we were eating, and we, we had probably about 15 different things mm-hmm. at this lunch, was probably pretty makeable in my own kitchen. It didn't feel like there is no way I'm going to try this. <laughs> it felt like yeah. this is actually pretty i i could i i kind of get where this food i believe is coming from as far as what goes on with the process of making it mm-hmm. but definitely there would be things that i that i would make and then some other things like the dumplings that came out in the middle of the meal that i probably wouldn't make make because dump dumplings and things like that sort of perennially scare me oh yeah <laughs> yeah the i would just rather or... sort of let experts do that oh yeah kind yeah of thing. i see specialized <laughs> not, not i just don't feel like that's just not my. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna mess it up. <laughs> no problem. So, what do you cook on a on a? You know, we just had a nice uh, uh, cold, blustery week. Um, do you spend your weekends trying to cook something? Just weekends just to enjoy? always or always always about cooking. And in fact, what I did um, after I left the Georgian restaurant, just like a block away, there was a, a Chinese supermarket that it turned out was half Chinese and. Well, maybe more than half Chinese, probably two-thirds Chinese, and one-third Russian, because a lot of Russian immigrants wow. uh, immigrants live in, live in the neighborhood. And so I, I filled my cart with, like, half Russian Russian things and then half Chinese staples and, like, immediately went home and started to cook. And, in fact, in front of me right now are the leftovers of some of the fruits of my labors, which wow. was I, – I, I'm sorry, I have to say I don't like to, like – you know, <laughs> brag. You know, brag like away. to, you know, okay. But one of the things that I made with this was a, um, a lo mein with these fresh, fresh uh, Chinese noodles um, that I stir fried along with um, this 
incredibly delicious uh, smoked tofu. Mm. They slice and like um, pan fried out a little bit with garlic and some um, Chinese pickled vegetables, some pickled mm. daikon in it as well. And then the most delicious cabbage. It's it's mm. a cabbage that you often see in Asian markets where it's a bit more flat and oval shaped. It's not like a tight round ball. Oh, I and think the that's leaves called Taiwanese are, cabbage, right? It can it can yeah. be definitely for sure. I've seen it like that, and it's so sweet and almost yeah. sugary. This cabbage, and it's so tightly and packed and like really crunchy. Not, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It would make the most delicious wow. um, coleslaw. And so all of this stuff just stir fried together along with a bunch of scallions into a casual um, into a casual no- noodle stir fry, and it's just it's, it was delicious then, and the leftovers are just as delicious oh. today. Yeah, perfect for lunch. Yum. <laughs> so is there, I, I don't know if this is like choosing between children, but is there a favorite cuisine that you kind of lean to or like the best? Um, you're right. It is choosing between children, <laughs> but probably, I mean, I had my own personal first big exposures to food outside of America and okay. the kinds of foods that I grew up on um, in Southeast Asia. And that's still, Southeast Asia for me is just kind of like the pinnacle of world cooking. I mean, it's from the cradle Vietnam, of flavor, as you wrote in your book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But from Vietnam, which is not actually in that, in that book, The Cradle of Flavor, okay. but to Thailand, which is also not, but also Malaysia, Vietnam, Burma, the food in these places, it's almost like sometimes I go there and it's like, God, what went wrong here? Or (laughs) what went extremely right? That food culture just like, it's like food culture times 10,000, where it's just the most insanely food-obsessed place you will ever go to and the, the, the amount of variation and you go to markets that are literally miles and miles and miles long with thousands of vendors and you've just, you've just never seen anything like it, like the food cultures in Southeast Asia. So, I mean, short answer, Southeast Asia, yeah. but inclusive of Vietnam and Thailand and Indonesia and Malaysia, et cetera, et cetera. Wow, that sounds like that could give anyone a, a food uh, awakening, as it seemed to have done for you. Um, I think we're just going to go to a quick little musical interlude, and we'll be right back chatting more with James Oslin. Thanks so much. Excellent. You're listening to Leaving by Dead Stars on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Today's program has been brought to you by AmeriCraft. AmeriCraft and 360 Cookware are proud sponsors of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. AmeriCraft is an American company, and like Heritage Radio Network, they provide the best. Their 360 Cookware is made of the highest quality ingredients, like United States Steel. It is made in the greenest cookware manufacturing plant in the world. AmeriCraft makes great cookware and is focused on improvement. 
360 Cookware is their exclusive line. It's a contemporary line of cookware and bakeware intended to let you, the Heritage Radio Network listeners, have a unique cooking experience. Its vapor seal allows food to be cooked in its natural juices, preserving all of the vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients without added water, oils, or fats. 360 Cookware invites you to learn more about how this process works on their website, www.360cookware.com. All right, we're back on Let's Eat In, and today's guest is James Oslin, Editor-in-Chief of Sever. How's it going? It's going great. <laughs> so um, we got so carried away talking about this delicious food. I, I, I could talk forever about that and hear your stories, but um, maybe a less uh, fun topic. Uh, I wanted to um, ask you, because your, your writing is so... Um, and, you know, working with Sever and these new books, uh, the new book that has come out, um, you're definitely, um, I, I know Sever has an online presence and a bl- great blog, actually. Um, but what do you think about print food journalism and its place today in, in a world, you know, filled with Instagram and blogs and, you know, all sorts of social media? Well, I don't know. I mean, from where I sit, I just tend to be, this might sound kind of Pollyanna, but I tend to be just genuinely thrilled by all the stuff that's out there right mm-hmm. now and the potential of all of that stuff that's out there right now and also the potential to um, start making new forms of things that right now at this exact moment and at the beginning of 2013 that we can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, take for instance, like back in 1998 when I was first doing my very first Severe Stories with Christopher Hersheimer, we basically... Actually, the very first story that I did do was um, down in Baltimore, which is the, a place my, my parents come from. I'm originally from California, but um, Christopher and I worked on a, on a, on a feature for Sever about um, Baltimore, this city that I loved as a kid so much. And basically... We, you know, Christopher and I went down there, and um, she took, you know, super beautiful pictures of these of these places in Baltimore markets, people's homes, restaurants, and um, we published the the print magazine, and um, there were there were pictures in it. Probably only about, you know, one percent of the pictures that Christopher took made it into print. And then I wrote an article, and we had like, you know, seven or eight recipes with it, and a couple of sidebars that went along with the with the article. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, the stuff that we can do, like even just with that general configuration, mm-hmm. where we can add on an extra slideshow to our tablet edition yeah. or online that shows another hundred mm-hmm. of those beautiful images that maybe Christopher took. We can um, put together a video that, you know, I'm encouraging all of our photographers, like, start shooting video, even if you just run off, like, two minutes of, like, you know, yeah. tape, except not? it's not really tape, that you <laughs> think is, like, kind of, like, nonsensical. We're going to make something out of it. Um, we will have extra recipes. We will have extra information sources and, like, you know, you can click here and, like, find that obscure ingredient and so on and so forth. And it's just sort of 
endless and just yeah. so thrilling. And I don't feel remotely scared by it. I mm-hmm. think that print has its place. I mean, there's something about the object, the the object that you hold in your hands yeah. or you keep on your nightstand or your, your coffee table or in your kitchen or whatever, and you refer to it and the, the, the physical way in which you interact with it or a book like, like the way we cook. That's one thing. And I don't I don't know for sure, of course, but I don't predict that that's probably really going anywhere, at least maybe not in my lifetime, mm-hmm. at least not for the next 20 or 30 years, I guess. But I don't know. I'm just completely, genuinely psyched. One of the yeah. things that we're doing at Sever.com right now that I'm very, very, very psyched about is um, a video festival, a global food video festival. It's basically just going live right now. Um, And we're seeking submissions from all over the world from people submitting short food videos, stuff that could be just shot on their iPhone or stuff that's maybe more elaborately produced. Generally, it's a short form. They're not like long, long Mm -hmm. videos, but we're really looking to... um, see, you know, really cast the net and, and, and find extraordinary content out there that can not only make us better cooks, but make us understand the world better through right. through what it cooks and eats. It sounds like a travel uh, travelogue, but people just send it in. And I think that, I who knows what will happen? That's so exciting. And we have yet to see. So fun stuff. I can't wait. <laughs> It is. I am really, I am just so thrilled about this one. I can't wait to wait for it to come to fruition and see all the entries. And, you know, and it's not only like travelogue stuff. It could just be, it could be technique stuff too. Mm-hmm. But technique right. stuff coming from, you know, a Paris home kitchen. Yeah. Showing us something that, you know, just might be just like a real epiphany to, to, to get a look at it. Hmm. And who knows? That could be maybe a future fodder for another book like this. Um, so one quick question though. I notice, um, and I've heard others bemoan this, that you are not on Twitter. You are on Twitter, though. You just never tweet. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> What's up I with have, that? Like Twitter's shyness. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You have that like you 700 followers, and you haven't tweeted at all. <laughs> Seven. You know, I've no, no, I haven't. I've been. You know, it's weird because on the one hand, I live a sort of public life, yeah. and I go on a TV show and whatever. But, like, on the other hand, I guess if I analyze myself, I'm sort of private. Mm. But, but, that said, I have been, I think, probably unconsciously for the last couple of months or so, been doing um, a dress rehearsal on, like, what would it be if I actually really posted this stuff? <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm I don't warming know, I'm up just, to I it. kind of slightly freaked out by it, and I'm afraid, I don't know, I will enter, enter the matrix right, right. and never come out, but I have been privately doing stuff that definitely has a tweet-like quality, mm. you know? Even at this lunch, this this wonderful Georgian lunch that we were at the other day, I took some you know beautiful still lives of of some of the food, and it's like, well, and then I'm thinking, gosh, do I have to hoard this just for myself? Let me send it out to the world. It's a beautiful picture. So, but anyway, I don't know. That's funny. I don't know. You can you, you can get, convince me. Yeah, that. you know, take your time. It, it could be like that vortex that you enter, but you know, you're entitled to your privacy, and uh, <laughs> who cares? I mean, yeah, I mean, d- d- don't be pressured is what I mean um, if, if that's if that's the way you'd rather you know 
there's a lot of sharing, as you su- superfluous sharing on the internet. But you know, then again, I wouldn't mind seeing that Georgian feast. So <laughs> I, I know, I know exactly, and that's what I come away with at the end of the mm-hmm. day. It's like, oh, I should you know send that out into the world. It's not like I don't know a picture of my sock drawer or something <laughs> like that. It's not, you know, what I mean, it's a little more interesting. I hope. Well, I think so, definitely. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll have yet to see. Um, one last question. Um, th- this goes out to every guest on this show, but what is your idea of the ultimate date meal? I always, I mean, I'm just so purist and so kind of simple in what I like to eat and what I would want to eat at a, at a romantic occasion. I mean... <laughs> I, you know, I could say that it would be some amazing chefy thing at some amazing chefy restaurant, and there would be all of these foods that I had no previous involvement with, and I had no idea what they were and whatever, and it's so exotic. And but really, for me, just like super simple food, like garlic rice or rice, you know, really good, perfectly rice, really perfectly cooked beans, like black beans, red beans with a lot of garlic, a beautiful, beautiful salad, something, a very simple protein that could even just be like a perfectly fried egg, like in in a really good olive oil, a really good egg fried in a really good olive oil with just, you know, golden crusty edges and just faintly soft on the inside or maybe just some like you know pan fried really perfect fish just very 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 simple basic basic food that hasn't been too tricked up that's definitely always this this the stuff that i gravitate toward that's the romantic that's that's the pure romantic Mm -hmm. dinner that sounds awesome Mm -hmm. well thank Mm -hmm. you so much for all your time and um i definitely am going to start cooking some of these amazing recipes in the way we cook uh, portraits of home cooks around the world everyone check it out um, so thanks again James Osland it's great to have you on it's been great talking to you alright thanks everyone at Heritage we'll see you next week on Let's Eat In bye you guys bye Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.